You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Before we get to this week's episode of Assembly Call Radio, let's talk real quick about tickets. And this is an important week to be talking about tickets because there's a big game coming up on Saturday. Indiana hosting Michigan State. And I'm looking at the listing on SeatGeek right now, and there are still a lot of tickets available. If you want to get out there, under the lights, Archie Miller will be an honorary captain. Tom Allen and the Hoosiers looking to go 4-0. And if they do, imagine how much more fun it will be to be there in person to watch the game as opposed to watching it on TV. And even if you can't go to the Indiana-Michigan State game, but you want to go to future IU football games or IU basketball games later this season or get concert tickets or whatever other live event you want to go to, SeatGeek is the place that I recommend. And it's not just because they sponsor the show. Uh, I actually used SeatGeek before they sponsored the show because they they just make the ticket-buying experience better. And, and what SeatGeek does is they search multiple ticket sites They grade every ticket based on value, and that helps you identify the best seats to kind of fit your budget and where you want to sit in whatever stadium or arena you're going to. And all of the purchases are fully guaranteed as well, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. So what you should do, because you're an Assembly Call listener, is download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code ASSEMBLY, because you actually get $20 off of your first purchase. So it's promo code ASSEMBLY. For $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase, go there, get IU football tickets, any other tickets that you want. But if you can be there in the stadium on Saturday against Michigan State, cheer for those of us who won't be able to be there because it's a big opportunity for IU football. Download the app, promo code ASSEMBLY today. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important IU basketball stories from the past seven days. This is our 94th edition of Assembly Call Radio, and it is our 425th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of Thursday, September 20th, 20th, 2018. I am your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call, how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. This week's banner moment occurred on Tuesday when Andy Katz released the latest edition of his March Madness 365 podcast, which featured a brief interview with Juwan Morgan. And my goodness, did Juwan pack a lot of interesting comments into his short time on the air. The one that generated the most attention was the last one. Katz asked Juwan to complete this sentence. Indiana will make the NCAA tournament if... Juwan replied simply, there is no if, we will. Boom. 
Now, on the one hand, you could argue that it's a bit silly for a senior who has missed two straight NCAA tournaments to express such bravado publicly. Maybe, you know, get comfortably on the north side of 500 for a few weeks before you start guaranteeing NCAA tournament berths. But on the other hand, sometimes the belief has to precede the action for success to be the result. And Juwan's unwavering confidence in this team's ultimate destination may be exactly what this young roster needs to carry it through the inevitable early season ups and downs. And there will be ups and downs. This Indiana team has a lot of questions to answer for Juwan's prediction to ultimately come true. But one question we already know the answer to is the same one that has sunk several Indiana teams over the last few years. Who is the leader? It's Juwan. And clearly, he believes in the team he's leading. Which is good, because two straight cold, dark winters extending into March is quite enough. It's time for the sun to shine in spring again. And according to Juwan Morgan, that's exactly what will happen this season. Okay, now let me introduce my esteemed co-host for this week's show. To my left, he is the Tom Allen of Girls Youth Sports Coaching in Cincinnati. He is the president emeritus of the Robert Johnson Fan Club, and he is one of the world's most respected bracketologists. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, what is your Bottoms line on the last week in IU basketball? Well, I mean, from a basketball perspective, uh, I've been keeping track of the inside the hall release of the uh, top 25 Big Ten players, and so Romeo... Uh, was there at number six, and Juwan has yet to be named. So unless uh, Alex has some eyes on, uh, you know, the whole fan base turning on him, uh, Juwan will be somewhere in the top five. And it's pretty exciting to go into a season uh, with, you know, they, they've they've tended to do pretty well with these rankings, and so to have two of the top six guys uh, on the roster heading into the season is really exciting. And maybe that's something that. Uh, you know, gives Juwan the confidence to make the statement that you talked about before. But, uh, you know, so that's all these countdowns and everything else is just little appetizers till the season gets here, which, you know, in just a little bit over a week, we'll actually have uh, who's your hysteria to overreact to. So that'll at least be something uh, that we've long awaited. And uh, the other thing we've we've talked through is uh, our meetup this year, which will be against Michigan State and another uh, another big game in Bloomington against the Spartans will be this weekend as well. So hoping the football team can keep the momentum going uh, as well and get to four and zero. So a lot of excitement uh, in Bloomington with the uh, with all the athletic programs as as you talked about with Jeremy Gray this week on uh, podcast on the brink. It was kind of amazing to step back and and listen to him talk about all the good things that are happening with so many programs across it. So uh, an exciting time for the Hoosiers and uh, certainly an exciting time from a basketball standpoint. Absolutely. And to my right, he's a columnist for The Big Lead and a co-host of The Hangover, but you know him as Indiana Radio's most opinionated, polarizing, over-the-top personality. I pretty much have an opinion on everything. He is Ryan Phillips. And look, before we get to Ryan's rant, I just want to say that even though he slept through the first two segments of last week's show, leaving us wondering where he might be, hoping that he was still alive, he did eventually wake up in time to make it here for segment three. And he shook off the cobwebs to deliver some really solid analysis. I think we should all respect him for that. I mean, that seems a bit much, but I am willing to bury the hatchet, forgive and forget. Andy, coach, I assume that you guys agree? Uh, No. He ought to be fired. Come on, dude. You cannot outwork me. Hey, watch it. Go to work. I don't want to. Sensitive lungs, Ryan Phillips. You know what? Leave me alone. I don't really feel like it. Oh, my God. This was the most ridiculous ordeal of my life. (laughs) Well, the chat room loved it. Uh, fantastic. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Fantastic. Dicks. Oh, my. Okay. Well, that certainly escalated quicker than anyone could have imagined. So, 
Ryan will not be with us this evening, but this week we did line up a suitable replacement just in case, and in fact, you just heard him. He was a 10-year high school head coach at Indiana who is currently an assistant coach at Western High School. He is the host of Sports Talk with Tonsoni and the founder of the Delphi Bracketology Club. He is the coach, Brian Tonsoni, and that means it's Tonsoni time. Coach, what's on your mind? You know, there it just seems there's a good vibe uh, on the Bloomington campus right now. And basketball-wise, it's nice seeing Indiana basketball mentioned in some top 25 uh, some players getting recognition. And then, you know, being down on campus the last two weeks, running into members of the chat mob, Josh Wilson uh, came out to the tailgate. Uh, you guys need to know, and, and I know our chat mob knows how much you guys are appreciated. It's pretty cool to be uh, have people walk by the sign at the tailgate and, and give a thumbs up. So there, there's a lot of anticipation. It feels uh, – it feels like the old times walking around campus. It helps that your your, your fall sports teams are doing well. Uh, walked by Deron Davis uh, on Kirkwood uh, the other night, and just seeing a player close up gets you excited for Indiana basketball, and we're getting close uh, to where we can actually see what the guys look like. But the vibe is real, and soon we'll get that uh, taken care of by seeing some actual basketball. All right, well, here's what we're going to talk about this week. We'll hit a few quick headlines, and then we're going to react to the rest of Jawan Morgan's comments, because there were a lot of good ones in there. And we're going to discuss three high-leverage team stats that Indiana really needs to improve upon this season. And if they do, we'll really go a long way toward fulfilling or toward making Jawan's comments uh, with Andy Katz come true. And then, of course, with whatever time we have left, we will answer your questions. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. Before we get to this week's top story, I do want to remind you about the best way to shop online for great deals on IU basketball and football tickets. Just remember this URL, iutickets.shop. It will take you right to SeatGeek, where you can immediately find the best deals on IU basketball tickets. Plus, you can search for IU football tickets, other sports tickets, concert tickets, and more. As a bonus, use the promo code ASSEMBLY to get $20 back after your first purchase. And when you use that URL, iutickets.shop, we actually get paid a commission for referring you. Wow. Yeah, pretty cool. And these commissions add up and have a big impact on helping us cover the cost of running the show. So we appreciate you using that URL. Once again, it is iutickets.shop. Thank you. Okay. Um, so let's hit, let's hit a couple of these headlines here real quick, guys, before we break. One is... We found out last night that Archie Miller is going to be an honorary captain for the IU football team on Saturday night when the Hoosiers face Michigan State, uh, which is obviously very cool. And then we found out a little bit of information about Hoosier hysteria. Um, we know that it's going to begin at 4 o'clock Eastern time, but the doors to Simon Scott Assembly Hall are actually going to open at 2 o'clock. Uh, and since the Rutgers IU football game is, uh, begins at noon, I believe, it will still be going on. So it will be shown on the big screen. Parking lots open at 1230. Uh, admission is free, of course. Bring a can good. Uh, Andy, do you think that, you know, moving the start time up, you know, having the football game on, you know, doing some of those things, do you think that that's going to increase attendance for the event? Or do you think it would have been better to kind of keep it at, at night, which is when we usually see it? Uh, I, I actually think it's great. I, I, you know, if my daughter didn't have a soccer game, it would be a, a case where we could make the trip over for the day and still get home at a reasonable time at night. Um, and I think you'll find a lot of people are able to do that around different parts of Indiana if they don't want to, don't want to, or can't go and stay the entire weekend. Um, I think that becomes a lot more enticing for those kinds of folks. And 
um, and some of that. So I think from a, a family perspective, uh, I think it helps uh, a lot in that regard, uh, being able to see, you know, most of the second half of the of the football game uh, on the big screen inside, you know, kind of helps mitigate anybody who you know really wants to watch that. I'm sure people will be, you know, watching in the parking lot or, you know, setting things up there. But um, yeah, I, I actually kind of like it. It seemed odd to me at first, but the more I thought about it, uh, from that perspective is fine. And I think from an energy perspective, I think it's still going to be, uh, still going to be the same excitement, the same, uh, you know, everybody's been waiting for, you know, months for the season to start. So, um, you know, getting it a few hours early or at a different time of day to me, isn't going to dampen the enthusiasm of, of whoever's going to be there. So I, I actually kind of like it, even though, uh, at first I thought it was a little odd. coach, you're going to be there, right? I, I haven't made up my mind yet. Uh, okay. Well, you got to at least be in Bloomington that weekend because I'm going to be down there. So I'd love to see you. Or I'm going to be up there, I should yeah, say. That's, I'll make the trip for that. You know, well, we know I, your I, thoughts on Hoosier hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, your podcast with Jeremy opened uh, my eyes a little bit about and remembering it's it's a time when a lot of people who can't get tickets get to see uh, the Indiana Hoosier basketball program and moving it up to four. Uh, as Andy also said, the family atmosphere, you know, you make it seven, eight o'clock at night. And if there's an hour, two hour travel, that, that becomes difficult for, for families with young children. And, um, I initially, I thought it might take away a little bit from the evening, the buildup of the standing in line, the tailgating, but I think really it's, it's appropriate. It actually ma- probably matches up more with what I kind of want is get in there, get some work done and, and call it a, call it an afternoon and try to make the best out of it, but it's for the recruits. It's for the high school kids coming in and it is for the families and the fans that, you know, this is a big deal. Indiana basketball is a big deal and it's not easy to get tickets. So with that in mind, I think the move, uh, you know, but I think attendance would be great regardless. You could put it at two in the morning this year. And I think it would, it would be packed. I think the excitement's that high. So I don't know if it affects attendance. I just think it's probably a good overall move, uh, by the athletic department. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely right on that. All right, coming up on the assembly call, we're going to dive in a little bit more to Juwan Morgan's comments with Andy Katz because he said more than just guaranteeing an NCAA tournament appearance. We will talk about that coming up next on the assembly call. Stick with us. are listening to the assembly call to watch replays of our show to listen to our daily banner morning iu news updates and to subscribe to our free iu basketball email newsletter visit assemblycall.com and you can also find us on youtube and by the way the unedited youtube broadcasts include all of the between segment banner that doesn't make it into the final cut of the radio show and podcast these are things we don't talk about on the air sorry folks learn more at assemblycall.com I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. And uh, in my banner moment this week, I talked about Juwan Morgan's comments on the Andy Katz podcast, where he guaranteed that Indiana is going to the NCAA tournament this year. We all love that confidence. And, you know, it was a short interview, but I thought Juwan really packed a lot of interesting comments into into what he said. He's, he's kind of like Archie Miller and that, you know, he doesn't say a lot, but he chooses his words carefully. And so uh, I just want to, you know, bring up a couple of those comments and let's react to them. And I wanted to start with what he said about Romeo Langford, coach, because, you know, Andy Katz asked him for his impressions of Romeo Langford. And the first thing he said was, I believe all the hype. 
and you know, remember these guys haven't played games together, but they've been, you know, having workouts, playing five on five, you know, scrimmaging, doing that kind of thing. And, you know, to hear him say, you know, I believe all the hype and then to go on and say, it's not just his scoring, but it's his ability to be effective on the court in every single way on both ends of the floor. Uh, I just thought, you know, it was, it was nice to hear that affirmation coming from Juwan and him not, you know, shying away from, you know, feeding right into the Romeo hype. But there was also another comment he had about Romeo coach that, that you thought was really telling, which one was that? Yeah, and it, right after that, he goes on to how how will they coexist, speaking of Romeo, and, and Juwan's response was, I don't think that'll be a problem ever. Uh, and I just think who is having the better game will be the focal point, and that's just fine with me. That's senior leadership. And, and I know their words in an interview, and they have to be lived out. But I think team chemistry is something that every coach is concerned with. Every coach tries to – to foster good team chemistry, but it's really up to the players on, on any team at any level to have that team chemistry, to ha take care of that locker room. If the locker room is taken care of, then the coach can focus on all the stuff that the coach really needs to do. But when he says it won't be a problem ever, you have a freshman coming in who's a five-star NBA and Jawan's the returning top player. That's a potential for a little bit of a conflict. And it seems like Jawan really is concerned not only with making himself better, but he wants to win. And that's what I took from that. And, and from a coach's standpoint, that is so relaxing to have that kind of stuff taken care of. And, and again, it has to be lived out. It's easy to say in a, a preseason interview, but uh, that's good to hear nonetheless. Well, and I think it's it's funny when we talked about some of Archie's comments with John Rostein about one of the things he said was guys are going to have to sacrifice more than they think they will or something to that effect. And I think when you hear Juwan talk about that and when your best players are the ones willing to stand up and say, yeah, I'm going to make that sacrifice, uh, I think that's a great sign. So if he's willing to say that, then how does, you know, guy eight, nine, ten on the roster, how do you how do you say, hey, I'm not going to do that if the guy who's been there, uh, you know, before and really is the the leader of the team is is willing to step out and say that? Yeah, you know, and, and what's interesting is, you know, He's the clear leader of this team. There's no question about it. And that's what you expect from a senior. But it's really a role that he had to assume last year, even though he wasn't the senior, you know, and you had guys like Colin Hartman and, and Robert Johnson, you know, for different reasons. Robert Johnson, it wasn't really in his nature from a personality standpoint. Colin Hartman, he just wasn't healthy enough to, to play. You know, a lot of that leadership burden really fell on Juwan last year, and he really embraced it and stepped up. And Andy Katz asked him, you know, what is one aspect of your game that you that improved the most from your sophomore to your junior year? And he said, you know, I would say it was my mindset. I think I had the skills, but it was just actually accepting that role and doing something with it. And so what I think really bodes well for Indiana this year, Andy, is that it's not like Juwan is now stepping into that leadership role for the first time. You know, he really embraced it last year and took it on, not just from that kind of emotional vocal leadership, but also with the leadership of production that he had all of that pressure. And so now he'll obviously still be counted on for the same vocal leadership. I mean, he is the emotional center of this team right now, but to have so much more talent around him, like it almost sounds in his voice, like there's a little bit of, of relief there, you know, having a guy like Romeo and having, I think, more pieces that fit better together than he's had the last couple of years. Well, I think he, you know, it was a thing, I think, between the injuries and, and some of the other guys on the team, I think it was it was kind of easy for him to to take a backseat a little bit to some of those guys and defer. And, and what quickly became apparent last year was that that was no longer 
that no longer could be the case. And he really, you know, stepped up to fill the void that was there from a leadership perspective and from a production uh, standpoint as well. So, um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's interesting the way that he phrases that in mindset. I think it's it's a little bit of like what he was being asked to do. And I think, you know, maybe some of that is a new staff coming in that, you know, viewed him differently or how they could use him differently. Or maybe it was just really feeling healthy for one of the first times in his, his college career. But whatever the case, I, I think he you know, had a higher level of confidence and, and wasn't willing to, you know, kind of step back and, and defer. And um, so if he credits that to mindset, then that's what we'll call it and, and go from there. But it, it was interesting, just the the role that he was asked to play his first couple of years versus last year was a pretty huge leap. It wasn't a gradual build like we've seen with, you know, Oladipo is one everybody talks about. There was, you know, his freshman year, he was a, you know, a role guy. Then he stepped up a little bit more. And then junior was really the explosion. Juwan just, you know, kind of bypassed that middle step there and, and got to where he did last year. You're listening to Assembly Call Radio. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. We're talking about Juwan Morgan's comments on Andy Katz podcast from earlier this week. The other one that really jumped out to me, Coach, I want to talk about this one with you because you added some important perspective to this and we were talking before the show started. Andy asked him, who are some players who will surprise some people this season? And he said, I'm going to say Justin, Evan, and Race." And Al will be the biggest surprises. So that's four guys that he named. And the one guy whose name wasn't in there was Devontae Greens. And of course, you know, we just, we talked uh, last week or the week prior, you know, when Archie Miller had his podcast appearance with John Rothstein, his glowing comments about Devontae Green and, you know, really starting to feel more comfortable about his breakout and becoming more consistent. And, you know, uh, maybe this is just my silly mindset, but I hear that. And my first thing is, well, where's Devante? You know, what does it mean that he's not mentioning Devante in there? Uh, remind me to have some perspective and to not to, to not overreact to, to Devante's omission from that list. Well, as a coach, you're well aware in an interview that you want to make sure you you mention all the players or as many players as possible and not leave anyone out because you don't want to create any problems. That's probably different for a player. Uh, the player interviews, uh, you'll notice when they're the post game, there's a sports information director real close by to jump in if things get a little bit out of control. So I just think that was on the perspective is that he mentioned four players that probably weren't as big a role last year. Yeah. Devontae uh, started and played a lot. Justin was up and down with his play. And from what everyone's saying is he's just exploding physically. He could shoot to three. You, you heard that on on with Jeremy Gray again. Uh, Evans knew race was uh, last year redshirted, and Al was uh, a guy off the bench. So the perspective is he's mentioning guys that most fans might see as being secondary roles or not know of that they're going to surprise, and, and that's what that's the way I I take that uh, to to mean more than anything else and. And he probably forgot a few people there too, uh, as, as he's talking, but what's been interesting from a coach, how many people are talking about Fitzner? Um, I know. And, and a lot of us with Kenny play defense at the big 10 level, the Archie Miller way, but everyone's talking about how he's stretching the floor and can shoot. And I think that's a little bit of a telltale of the, the need to shoot the basketball and that it might be a lot better than what we think because uh, he's getting a lot of love from a lot of different people. A lot. And I mean, Andy, that's that's probably one of the more encouraging things in the offseason is just how I mean, look, we haven't seen Evan miss a shot in any of the social media videos, so we can't confirm that he has actually missed a shot uh, this offseason. I think he might have made everything that he's put up, but everybody seems really confident about his ability to have a positive impact this season. 
Yeah, that definitely has been one of the constant drumbeats of anybody that you've heard talk about players on the team and in the offseason that his, his name has come up uh, as one of the first guys mentioned. And, um, you know, again, this is all this is the season when, as you said, you're reading into comments like that. And, and I'm going to do the same thing with Fitzner. I mean, there's really no reason for a guy who's only going to be there for a year. There's not really that kind of like I'm propping him up to you know, kind of help jumpstart his career. Like this is his one year to do it. So he's either going to do it or he's not. And these guys don't, you know, they don't have to, you know, uh, embrace him, buy into him or whatever for a guy who's going to be one year if they don't want to, don't have to, don't whatever. And and so I think it's, uh, you know, at some point when you hear it from enough guys, that's that's pretty telling. And I think the other comments that Juwan made about him later where he said, um, surprise a lot of people just how hard he's working and how much he's changing his game so that he'll be able to fit in with the system we're running so i thought that was an interesting part of that because those are some of the concerns i mean obviously the shooting ability is what everybody highlighted from day one when his name first came up on the radar but as you said there were questions about can he play defense this way where's his real fit and from a lineup perspective can he rebound well enough um you know how's he hold up in the big 10 physically and things like that and so uh those are those are encouraging things and uh, feels like a where there's smoke, there's fire type thing. And, and pretty much everybody has been, uh, you know, pointing to him throughout the entirety of the offseason. The other thing that jumped out real quick, you know, he was asking flirting with the NBA, what did you learn about yourself? And I thought it was interesting that the very first thing he said was I learned that I have to eat better. <laughs> you know, I think uh, I think Juwan's kind of been a guy known to to hit up the McDonald's every now and then and maybe not always have the best diet. But, you know, between that feedback coach that he got from the NBA and clearly what, you know, Cliff Marshall was trying to instill in these guys, hopefully that's something that can help him be a little bit more durable, you know, and have better stamina as we go through this season. It's always good to sometimes get advice outside the program. You, you, you know, it's like mom and dads. You hear it, you hear it, you hear it, and then someone else tells you, and it, it and it makes sense. But again, I think that just shows to me the commitment as a senior. He's not punching the time card um, and just playing out a senior year. He's coming back with a purpose, and, and I, it's good. Yep. All righty, coming up, those of you listening on the radio Friday night may be switching over to high school football, so be sure to catch the replay at assemblycall.com. For everyone else, we're coming right back with more IU basketball talk. Stick with us here on the Assembly Call. Welcome back to the Assembly Call. If you're listening to the show, it's pretty clear that you are more than just a casual IU fan, which is why you need to be subscribed to our free IU Basketball email newsletter. You will get our six Banner Sunday news roundups, as well as our detailed post-game analysis emails once the season begins. There's a high-level operation going on out there. This is why more than 6,000 of your fellow IU fans are already subscribed, and joining them is easy. Just text IU to 66866. Or go to assemblycall.com. Again, go to assemblycall.com or text IU to 66866 and join our free IU Hoops email newsletter today. Make no excuses. Can we get some basketball, please? All right, back to talking IU basketball. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach Brian Tonsoni. And guys, I wanted to, you know, as we go through this offseason, we like kind of diving into some of the stats and, and, and you know, looking at the individual player stats, looking at the team stats. And so for one of the Banner Morning episodes um, earlier this week, I, I was starting to think about, you know, team stats that really need to improve 
for Indiana to take that next step this year, to get better, to become an NCAA tournament team like Juwan Morgan talked about. And really try to think about what are the real high leverage ones that, you know, maybe Indiana was really bad at last year. So there's, you know, kind of a, a lot of room where they can get better or that just, you know, by improving it in this area, it can really make a big impact. And so the first one that jumped out to me, I mean, you could pretty much name all of the, the shooting statistics, um, you know, outside of the two point field goal percentage. But, you know, improved three point shooting to me is really going to be important for this team coming up this year. And I think there are a lot of reasons to believe that Indiana can get better at that. You know, I ran these down on that banner moment, but just to review, only 26.1% of our points last year came from three-point range. That was 302nd in the country. And not a lot of teams succeed, you know, only getting that many points from threes. You got to be really athletic, have a lot of size, and Indiana's not there yet. And the thing is, we didn't take that many threes. We were 263rd in the country. And then of the ones we took, we didn't make, we didn't make very many. So... We know that that has to improve and that if it does, it can make a big impact. So what are some reasons for improvement? Well, number one, you know, you look at Robert Johnson being gone and that kind of scares you because of how much our three-point shooting was reliant on him last year. But I'm starting to believe that Evan Fitzner, even playing fewer minutes, could replace or maybe even improve upon what Rojo did. Now, he'd have to make more than two threes a game, but certainly I think we expect the efficiency can be better because Fitzner is a 40% shooter for his career. You know, Romeo Langford and Robert Finnessy could pretty easily surpass what Josh Newkirk and Colin Hartman did last year. And, you know, you look at Jawan, Devontae, Allen, Justin, they shot a combined 32% from three-point range. I think it's fair to expect some improvement from them. Coach, as you look at it, you know, what do you think are some other reasons why this team might get better from three or, you know, maybe some reasons why you think that they won't? You know, the other one that we've talked about on the show before is that, you know, with the attention that Romeo is going to get, hopefully improve point guard play from guys like Devontae and Rob, hopefully we start getting better looks, which is one of the problems last year is we weren't very good at making the open ones and we just didn't get that many open looks to begin with. With the increased talent, you're going to be able to attack closeouts. And when you attack closeouts, that's going to create open shots and open shots go in a lot more than contested shots. So we just have to have people who can hit at a very decent percentage. Uh, I've said over and over uh, when you guys have asked the ability to stretch the floor uh, that some of our, our incoming players bring to Indiana is is going to be so much fun to watch because you got, you, you got so many different aspects uh, that need to be guarded. And, and when you do that, then the defense has to be set one way or in shadow one way. And as the ball gets swung from side to side, uh, again, skip to over a defense. There's a closeout. You drive. There needs to be help. You force help, and you're going to have wide open. So I, I, I think just the talent itself and the attention that uh, the defenses are going to have to give is one thing. And I just think we're better shooters uh, from Fitzner and Romeo. Uh, Fennessey can hit a little bit better. Uh, than, than some of the people we had, which would offset Rojo's loss. And I think that's, again, maybe why we brought in a Fitzner uh, as, a, as a post who can shoot to, to do some of, of that. But that and then increased post play with, with some of the guys we have coming in. And if Duran can ever get back that inside out game, I think you'll see the numbers go up. And I think that they'll go up uh, quite a bit more than maybe a lot of us expect. Andy, I sense that you're steaming mad over there that I would dare suggest that Evan Fitzner could replace uh, Robert Johnson's three-point production. Uh, I'm not going to say it didn't hurt a little bit, but it's uh, it's fine. You know, uh, no, I, I mean, 
it's it's certainly no secret that the team didn't didn't shoot the ball well, and that's a huge area that they need to improve in. Uh, I will say, if you want to look at it positively, the fact that they didn't take as many threes shows at least some level of self awareness and coaching. So that's good. Um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I, I think being able to put five guys on the floor who can all shoot it is going to be important. I think Fitzner is a guy who provides that. Um, you know, Freddie McSwain had really worked his way into. Uh, you know, into so many of the, the lineups that were used over the latter part of the season once the rotation shook out. But he certainly wasn't a guy who was going to step out and even really take uh, even mid-range jump shots. And so I think from a spacing perspective, being able to, uh, you know, move guys around, find some mismatches uh, to, to free up those open shots will be good. And and I also think you've got some guys who are able to, you know, who, who certainly have spent a lot of time in the offseason uh, doing that. Justin Smith is a guy who people have talked about really uh, has tried to work on his shot. Um, you know, Devonte was streaky last year, but we know that he can make him as well. I, I think Al is another guy who's done that. And I don't know. Uh, it's all speculation. I think we talked about this a lot last year. You know, how much time is being spent on, you know, shooting and those kinds, you know, drills for shooting and form and repetition and all those things versus, hey, we've got to install the defense the way that we wanted and the offense. Um, and that was another comment that Juwan made of just, you know, having a year under their belt, how much that was helping them in the offseason. So, Maybe it's just something that they're able to give more attention to this year uh, than last. And and I think, to Coach's point, they're probably starting from a little bit higher floor uh, just in terms of shooting ability and, and going from there. So I, it's hard. you're hard-pressed to kind of go, you know, like, you know, a guy down the roster who's kind of maybe replacing his role and say, hey, there's no reason to believe can't be as good or better pretty much every one of those guys as you would go down that list. Yeah, you know, and you, know, you look on the other side of the ball with the the – you know, defending the three-point line, that obviously needs to improve as well because Indiana was 267th in the country last year defending the three. Uh, but I think, you know, staying on that side of the ball, Andy, you know, the one that you pointed out in our email thread this week was defensive rebounding. And I think we were both surprised to realize that Indiana was 210th in the country last year in defensive rebounding percentage. And what I was even more surprised by when I dug into it more and went into synergy is that Indiana was one of the worst teams in the country at basically defending second chance opportunities. Like when teams got offensive rebounds, they were really efficient at scoring against Indiana. So that's kind of a double whammy if you're giving up a lot of defensive rebounds and then teams are turning those into second chance points. You know, that's an area right there where if you can just clean up your defensive glass and get a little bit more aggressive, a little bit better at defending that. And look, part of that is because, you know, you played with a lot of undersized guys down low last year who tried their best. But, you know, when you're counting on Robert Johnson to be one of your best defensive rebounders and Freddie McSwain, if you don't get the rebound, you know, you're going to be in some trouble when you're going up against some big guys. So that is an area, you know, cleaning up the defensive glass and doing a better job of defending guys once they get an offensive rebound that could also, you know, help improve your defensive efficiency and maybe even shave off, you know, two, three points per game uh, for the opposition. Yeah, I think that that one, it, it did strike me as a surprise when we were, um, you know, kind of looking through the stats because I, you know, and maybe that's because the team tended to do pretty well from an offensive rebounding standpoint. And I think your inclination as you, you look at things like that is just to assume, well, if you're good on one end, you're, you should be good on the other. Uh, maybe, maybe that's fair. Maybe it's not, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that all goes back a lot to size. I mean, when you look down that roster last year, there was really, you know, pretty much by the end of the season, really, I don't think anybody was playing that was over six, seven. I, I don't think, um, Duran was really one of the only guys on the roster who was over six, seven period. Um, and so, you know, when you're doing that, I think that speaks a lot to what you said of, yeah, once you give up the rebound, then good night, because you're not gonna, you're not going to be able to, 
you know, to, to offset that. And the team didn't block a ton of shots last year. That was one of the other, or they actually got a lot of their shots blocked last year. And that was the other status. And I think those both really tie back to just not having a lot of size and strength inside. And I think, you know, with a lot of the recruits, Fitzner certainly has the size. Forrester is going to be really active. Brace Thompson being in the program for a year uh, gives you some additional size. So I think you've got a lot more options that you can go to um, when you really need rebounds and, and some of those kinds of things. So I think the size will uh, will help that. Certainly positioning is a factor, but um, just having more uh, more options up front is, it should inherently help that. You're listening to The Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and the coach, Brian Tonsoni. We're talking about some high-leverage team stats that weren't very good for Indiana last year that, if they improve, will go a long way toward Indiana you know, becoming a, a contender in the Big Ten and getting back to the NCAA tournament. Uh, and, Coach, you know, the other one that jumped right out to you when we started this discussion via email this week was turnovers and assist-to-turnover ratio. And it's kind of interesting how this one dovetails with the first stat, which was three-point shooting. Why are you confident that this team can get better at getting more assists and also reducing turnovers this year? Well, I, I think we're just going to have better overall point guard play. And and I think a lot of that rests with Green. Green needs to be consistent. There were times when he looked like the point guard that Indiana needed. And then there were times where he was not very good and really couldn't see the floor. If he levels that out, uh, I think uh, – Indiana will be better. At 18 last year, the, the turnover ratio or percentage was 18.2 uh, per game. That was right at the, about the NCAA average, good for 164th in the country. That was 18.2%. 18, 18. So they, they turned it over on 18.2% yeah. of possessions. Yeah. My bad on that. And and when you look at guards need to have a two-to-one ratio if you're a lead guard or a point guard, uh, that that's a college goal. Some may even say three to one, and all of our guards were under two. Uh, Green last year was 1.3. Durham uh, was 1.6. Rojo, 1.1, and Newkirk, 1.5. And so I think with Finnessy coming in, going to push Green for playing time, that's going to elevate his play. I think you have some uh, ability with uh, Romeo, who who is a talented person, who's going to be doing a lot of scoring, but as people come and double team, I think he's going to be able to get some assists, and we score more. And and I, I'm a defensive guy, but you got to put the ball in the basket, and, and taking care of the basketball also helps your defense because you're not giving up points off of turnovers. So you also lose an opportunity when you turn the ball over to score points, and you give the the de- off the defense an opportunity to have good transition offense the other way. So we can't be average if we're going to be a a top 25 team, a a top four seed team in the NCAA where we all hope to be maybe this year. Uh, So that has to improve significantly, and I think it will. You know, interesting with Romeo, I mean, he's he's such an unselfish player. We know he's going to get his points, but he'll have so much attention on him. And he's, you know, he's just, he's so skilled, has such good vision. He'll get a lot of assists. What'll be interesting is what his turnover numbers are. Cause you know, you start to read a lot of scouting reports about him. And one of the weaknesses that comes up is sometimes he gets a little loose with his handle. You know, he tries to split double teams and, and ends up losing the ball that way. So I would not be surprised if he struggles some with turnovers early as a guy who has just always been so used to getting to any spot he wants to go to on the court. He'll still be able to do that a lot in college, but you know, those gaps are going to close a little bit faster. And so I, I would 
I kind of predict that that'll be one of the early storylines is probably Romeo turning it over a little bit too much and how they can, you know, kind of get that, you know, kind of under control as the season goes along. And, you know, I don't think it's going to be a huge issue, but maybe just something to look out for as we focus so much on Romeo's strengths. He does have things he's going to have to get better at and that will kind of be highlighted early in the season as, as, you know, weaknesses that he still has. Andy, as, as you look at, you know, the, the assists, the turnovers and, the guys that we project to be handling the ball. Do you think that this is something that can be a strength for Indiana? Or is this something that, you know, after so many, you know, now, uh, you know, a few seasons post Yogi, we're just trying to keep our head above water is just kind of getting our head above water going to be good enough for this team. Yeah. It's funny to think of it that way. Cause yeah, last year just felt like a, well, at least you're not hurting yourself. You know, it wasn't necessarily good. And that's yeah, kind of, Al Durham was, was a revelation because he just wasn't turning, you know, throwing terrible passes to the defense. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it, it's funny to look and, and figure, you know, they're right around the average from a turnover rate standpoint and that feel. And that felt like just, you know, leaps and bounds ahead of, of where things were before. So, you know, if you look at that, you know, kind of the two parts of that equation, right? You know, the turnovers got significantly better last year. I think that was a great step. I think that should continue to get better as guys are more comfortable in the system. But I think, you know, the bottom part of that ratio made huge strides. Um, I think where the the strides will hopefully be this year is really on the top half of that in the assist portion. Some of that, just to bring this full circle to what you talked about before, was three-point shooting. There was a lot of guys who would kick the ball out to somebody who couldn't then make a shot. Um, so, you know, there's two parts of the assist. One is making the pass and one is actually finding somebody who can make a shot. So <laughs> uh, ideally if right about the first part then the assist should inherently go up. Cause I do think there's enough talent and in, in some of the spacing and things like that, that we talked about, they should be able to do that. You knock down a few more shots, you get that assist number up uh, a bit. So I do think that'll improve. I don't know whether it goes, you know, moves the needle all the way into really being a strength, but I think it'll be, you know, it was kind of an Achilles heel two years ago. Last year, it was a, you've moved to yourself to the middle of the pack and, uh, you're not hurting yourself this year. Hopefully it moves a little bit further, but I don't know that it probably swings all the way into an out and out strength just because um, that point guard role is still, you know, up, up for grabs or at least up for debate. Who's if anybody's going to really latch onto it and not let go. And look, another obvious stat that has to improve is free throw shooting. We've talked about that so much. You know, I kind of felt like that went without saying Indiana was 331st in the country last year. That has to get better. And Jawan Morgan is going to go a long way toward determining that because, you know, he's going to take a lot of free throws for this team this year. And he's got to be better at free throws than he was last year. Do any did any other numbers stand out to you guys? I know Andy, one that you mentioned was, you know, Indiana's block percentage. You know, we had our shots blocked a lot. Again, partly a function of just not having a whole lot of size. Um, any of these other team stats that you kind of look at as high leverage that, you know, really can help swing the season one way or the other if we can you know, see a vast improvement in them? No, I mean, I really think these are the the big ones to me. The, the rebounding one was a surprise. I think it would was, was fairly easy to come up with the the first couple around shooting and and the, uh, you know, assist turnover uh, stuff. The rebounding, like, like we said, caught us by surprise uh, a little bit. And I think, you know, that's just another way to get those defensive efficiency numbers up a little bit further. But I, I nothing else really jumped out uh, to me uh, I don't know if coach has any different thoughts than that, but the, the at least a couple of the ones were, were pretty, pretty obvious and, and kind of opened up some old wounds looking back through the stats, quite honestly. <laughs> I know coach, any final thoughts? Just the shooting percentage. We mentioned that briefly, uh, the three point defending the three point shooting team, but you know, we've talked about three major, uh, 
changes or improvements that are out there for this Indiana team. And you're talking about a 17 and 15 record, nine and nine in the big 10 with an influx of talent, improving some of these things just marginally even puts you in the 20 win, 21 win. And and that's then makes Juwan's statement about making the NCAA tournament uh, prophetic. So uh, I, I don't think we have to improve greatly to be in a position that we want to to be a little bit higher in a top 25 team, top 20 team all year, they have to get a lot better. Uh, and there's probably a few more we could ID and we will as the season goes on. But uh, the, these are the ones to watch. Absolutely. I felt like we had an amazing conversation on all levels. Thank you, coach. We always appreciate your, your kind words. All right, here, coming up in our final segment, we will answer more of your questions, including which coach from the Golden Triangle will have the most success plus a player comp question that Ryan is really going to hate. That's next. Stick with us. listening to the assembly call we are wrapping up another week of talking iu basketball i'm jared morris here with andy bottoms and the coach brian tonsoni this is the part of the show where we typically answer your questions um, you can always send us a question on twitter at assembly call uh, or you can leave us a, vo- a voicemail throughout the week uh, the number is 317-762-6253 uh, that's 317 rob make in honor of all the shots that rob finnessy is going to make this year uh, so keep that number handy, and if you ever want to leave us a voicemail, it's a fun way to get your voice on the show and send us a question. So we got a couple of good ones. Let's get to these. We'll save uh, the Ryan question for the end. Uh, but Joel asked, which coach residing in the Golden Triangle, Bloomington, Columbus, Louisville? First, is that actually called the Golden Triangle, or did he just make that up? Like, does anybody refer to Bloomington, Columbus, and Louisville as the Golden Triangle? I had never I had never heard of that, but I, that doesn't mean it's not true, but that was the first that I had heard of it. Okay. And also, okay, well, I, I just want to make sure that that's not like an urban dictionary term also that he just tried to slide in there. That, that he just, just said just on the you and <laughs> yeah. in the air. Yep. Well, it I works. Just, Even just, if it is, it's too late. I just immediately got very terrified saying that out loud. Uh, okay. So he wants to know <laughs> which of the coaches there will have more success over the next several years. So obviously Archie Miller, Chris Holtman, and Chris Mack. And we certainly know that Archie and Chris Holtman are just going to continue to be compared to each other because they start at the same time, you know, going after a lot of the same recruits. Uh, and you can, you know, probably throw Chris Mack in there too, because he's starting at Louisville just one year later. Andy, as you look at that, and you're obviously biased, but put your bracketology hat on and same thing with you, coach. Who do you think will have the most success over the next several years out of those three? I, I mean, I am, I am biased, but I'm, I'm going to say Archie. I think um, if you're thinking of the next few years, they seem to be set up most in the, in the short term, just in, it, it, you know, I think this year of those three, I think IU is, would seem to have the, you know, kind of the best, um, you know, prospects for this season. I think the recruiting class this year will kind of lay the foundation so that IU is, is pretty steady in the, in the coming years. Uh, you know, Louisville has a, a hard road to climb. I mean, they really didn't bring in hardly any freshmen this year. Um, so there's really not a whole lot that's going to carry over. I really like Mac as a coach from watching him uh, here locally at Xavier. But they've also, you know, he's got to work work up and past a lot of teams in the ACC uh, in the in the near term. So I think that becomes a little bit difficult for him. And uh, Holtman, I really like, um, but I kind of I kind of put him in the middle. I think he's in a good situation where you know at a school that 
you know, certainly doesn't prioritize basketball over other things. So there's not quite the pressure that uh, maybe is on the other two. And, and I think he's, he's certainly proven uh, if anybody had any doubts, I think last year proved what a good coach he can be. So I kind of rank them Miller, Holtman and, and Mac. And if he ever has questionable text messages, he knows where to go to get those erased. So that's always good. Uh, uh, well, no, he doesn't because apparently, or, you know, Urban doesn't know how to change the settings on his phone. <laughs> he probably uh, just forgot because of his memory loss issues, though. So yes, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, Coach, who do you, who do you pick out of those three? I, I have been saying all along, Archie Miller. Uh, I think he's got a, a year under his belt and is ready to roll. They're all three excellent coaches who do who do things uh, a little bit differently. I've also been a fan of Mac at, at Xavier. The ACC is going to be tough, especially when he's got to deal with all of the the anti Patino and the, and the fallout from from that. Uh, might take him a little bit longer, and so that I think drops him probably to the bottom. It's going to be interesting to see what Holtman can do. The Butler way was an interesting way to recruit, and then he goes to Ohio State, has a really good year because of some veterans having good years. Uh, will that happen again this year? So I, I would say Archie, uh, Mac, Holtman, but they're all three really good. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's going to be fun, you know, watching recruiting battles between them. Obviously, Ohio State got us with. DJ Carton, and I'm sure we'll see those three schools competing for a lot of the same players moving forward. So it will be it'll be fun to watch. You know, it's always better. I don't know. It's, it's, you know, we don't root for Ohio State. We certainly don't root for Louisville. But it, it and same thing with Purdue. But like, it's good when they're good, and when you know they have a good coach, and you know it's going to be a good team, and they're going to be good battles. It makes it a lot more fun. So I'm glad that we can you know have some of these discussions, and that it's a good debate because that makes being a fan more entertaining. Okay, so this question comes from Ben, and he says, in honor of Ryan's absence, is only fitting that I ask a comparison question, because we know Ryan's thoughts on player comps. I hate player comps. So if you had to compare Ryan to a past IU player, who would he be? Andy, does anybody jump out initially? Because to me, like when I saw this, there was one very, very clear answer right off the bat. Uh, think ba think no, back I'll to the early... Well, think back to the early days of the show, and who would Ryan absolutely hate most to be compared to, but actually is a really good comparison? Well, I'm sure it. Well, if you're thinking it's Will Sheehy, that is kind of the first one that came to my head. So it is. maybe that's where you were going. But it's it, it has to be Will Sheehy because Will Sheehy just relished being an irritant, and we know that Ryan relishes being an irritant. But he was also a good player and a really valuable player, and you know had skills. And Ryan, you know, certainly is that. We give him a hard time, but he's a very knowledgeable uh, basketball mind, certainly can talk about a lot of different sports. So he, you know, he brings that. And, you know, yeah. Ryan has proven to be, you know, Will was a very reliable guy, one sixth man of the year. I was about to say Ryan has proven himself very reliable, although his performances over the last couple of weeks have been a little, a little shakier. But look, we're willing to... <laughs> You know, the weight of seven years weighs heavily, and he's been very reliable over that time. So to me, Will Sheehy is the one that automatically stood out. Um, and and I'll just say Brian Evans, just because, you know, that j just to tweak Ryan. Um, but having never seen Ryan play, um, you know, it's tough to know exactly, you know, what kind of player he was. But th those were the two that immediately jumped out to me. Coach, did anybody jump out to you uh, being a good, a good player comp for Ryan? I had Sheehy. I was going to go with Sheehy. Yeah. And then I 
started thinking, you know, what is it about us Italians that like to stir things up? You know, so <laughs> I can't respond because now I'm I'm in deep thought about personal evaluation. Right, so I, I just want to say we've got uh, here in the chat mob, there are several guesses. Uh, the most common guess is Dan Dockich. So that's 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 solid. I you know, there's some there's some similarities there. I don't know if Ryan is quite that good defensively uh, to be able to single handedly shut down Michael Jordan. Um, but, you know, well, let's see. Joel says Ted Kitchell. Now, hopefully Ryan gets that reference. That's a that's a very good. You know, that's actually a really good one because Ted Kitchell never lacked for confidence. That's for sure. And, you know, there, there's the story. I think he may have told it to Kent Sterling or Kent Sterling told it about how, you know, Knight put him in the game and told him not to shoot. And he shot it anyway and made it and just kind of ran down the bench smiling at night. Uh, I don't know if that's apocryphal or not, but stories like that are told about Ted Kitchell, but had that same kind of swagger, that same kind of confidence. Um, and I believe Ryan was known as a pretty good shooter back in his day. Um, what about Hillman from California? Joe Hillman, yeah, there you go. That would be that would be another good Rapid one. Guy could shoot a little bit from California. Yeah, that would be a good one. Uh, okay, final question here, real quick. Um, Josh asked, we got about a minute left for this one. Who's the surprise freshman that's going to shock us this year that no one is talking about? If it's a guy no one's talking about, it's probably got to be between Demisi and Jake Forrester. And I will say, my conversation with Jeremy Gray on podcast on the brink, he was effusive in his praise of Jake Forrester actually compared him to AJ Moye just in terms of you know kind of being that effort guy that attitude guy I've always thought he'll somehow find a way to carve out a role because he has such great experience as a role player with the high school he played on I think it'll be easier for him to find a role although Demisi can obviously shoot threes really well so that could get him on the court Andy who who do you kind of think is the surprise freshman um I would I would tend to go with Forster because of what you said. I'll throw a race out there because I guess technically he falls in the freshman class. Um, and he's definitely a guy who hasn't gotten a lot of conversation, maybe because he's you know, he's kind of part of the class, but not because he was here uh, you know, for a semester. So I think that semester is gonna serve him well. I think he'll be able to step in. Plus he has, you know, Juwan's blessing. So, you know, feel good about that. That's true. Alrighty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. If you ever want to see us do the show live and be part of the live chat. Join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Uh, or you can always subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to go to assemblycall.com and join our free email newsletter. Thank you for listening. We will be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim. And go Hoosiers. Thank everybody for coming out. All right. I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com slash support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission 
when you use those links. But however you support the show, we appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.